0: series has been so powerful. Uh, for the first time in four years that our church has been in existence, I, we felt as a, as a team that we needed to go through each core value on a Sunday morning, and we've never done that, surprisingly enough, in four years. We have never shared or preached on our core values, and, and so we had inner healing as one of our first core values. We talked about Mephibosheth, if you remember that, and we talked about the, the core of, of what inner healing really needs and why we need it. Secondly, we talked about community. If you remember, we talked about community uh, and the need for fellowship and with one another. How many believe that, that we need that? And, and again, all these things that I'm telling you are not just cool things that we thought about of who, how, how we could preach to you. If you notice, everything that I'm talking about, we practice here at RCC, all right? So it's not, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we practice fellowship, community, so much so that we used to spend hundreds of dollars every single month. To get something, food, free food for the community, for our community, so that we can make organic relationships with each other, because we need that. Last week we talked about the culture of outreach and evangelism. How many were here? Come on, amen. And it was amazing because if you look outside in 441, it was like the main strip of 441. It's business, 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 church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> then there's business, business. God put us here for a reason, and in just in three years, uh, three or four years that we've been here, we've already have a system where we are impacting thousands of people, literally on a monthly basis, not only with food, but we're taking our evangelism team into apartments that have opened up their hearts to the gospel because of the food, and now we're preaching the gospel. Come on. So, so we're giving them, we're giving them uh, physical food and spiritual food all at the same time. All right? Now now listen, so today, part four, I'm going to be talking about the fourth core value, and this is probably not going to be a shouting message, but it's a necessity in the body of Christ, I believe is a lost art, and it is the value of discipleship. All my teachers in the house, you're going to love this. Because the five-fold ministry, we forget about the pinky, right? It's, it's, the, it's the, we have the, thumb, right? The, the apostle, the prophet, the one who points, the prophet. The evangelist is the longest one. That's how I remember. It's outreach, right? And then the pastoral, the ring, the family, that's how I remember. The family, the pastoral one, which is uh, uh, to, uh, today and also, uh, and then the, the pinky, I call it the teacher. Why? Because the teacher is needed in the body of Christ. The office of a preacher helps disciple and grow people. There's a need. As a matter of fact, this is for free because I was in my notes here. As a matter of fact, one of the last day marks of deception is when people are given into winds of doctrine. And so it's important that we value discipleship because discipleship is a two-way street. Everyone say that with me before I start. Say discipleship. It's a two-way street. We need to seek discipleship. Come on, say it. I need to seek discipleship, but I need to give discipleship. Now, I'm going to start with a very popular scripture that, hear me out for a second, hear me out, is very popular, and it's mostly used for evangelism-type scriptures. Help that, baby Lord, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) It's like, amen, but I want you to look very closely on what the Scripture says. Remember, last week when we talked about evangelism, I started off with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and the role of the Holy Spirit. We only, we, it, You know, it's funny about the body of Christ. We're so conditioned to hearing a message of, about a certain aspect of the kingdom that we only think that that one verse applies to just that one sermon. Come on, say amen. And we realize that the power of God, the Holy Spirit, came on the the disciples so they could be witnesses, right? Well, today is going to be another popular intro. Now, today we're going to get go through a lot of scripture. So those of you who like your Bibles, get your Bibles out. But it's, it's not what we usually think of when we think about this. But I want you to think about this scripture. Listen, Matt, no talking, no talking. Pay attention, ready? I want you to think about this scripture in a new light other than only what has been popular for. And that is Mark chapter. Sorry, Matthew chapter 28. Let's go before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word. Come on, say the word. And I believe the word is going to speak to us, so we're going to speak to me, and we ask you, Lord, we thank you that we hunger for the word of God today. Anoint me and anoint the ears to hear, and let us be a community that values the importance of of discipleship. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, if you're there, say amen. It's going to be on the screens, and it says this, very popular form of scripture here. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to look up at me, and I want you to notice two key words in this scripture. I want you to notice the word make. Everybody say make. make. And I want you to no- notice the word disciples. Everybody say disciples. disciples. Make disciples it doesn't say make converts we need to make converts in order to make disciples but the Great Commission is not only about evangelism hello news flash the Great Commission is about a commandment to get these converts and then make them into disciples That word make is not a quick fix reality. It's a process. It takes time. Come on. It takes time to make something out of something. So, when you make, when it's a making a disciple, that means we as believers are mandated by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord Jesus Himself, that the Great Commission is not just about winning souls. It's about winning those souls. And then you and I, watch this, taking personal responsibility those who are mature in the faith, to make disciples. The word disciple there has been used more times in the Bible than the word Christians. Look it up. If you look up a word study, the word Christian only happened in like in Antioch and and a few other places in the Bible. But everyone who was a follower of Jesus in the Old Testament, sorry, in the New Testament was considered disciples of Christ. And I'm going to break down a couple of things today. Three main things I'm going to break down, but it's going to be very uh, impactful in like these three main things. I'm going to share with you key essentials of discipleship, okay? I'm going to share with you this morning the reason statistically, biblically, do you know that the Bible has statistics? I'm going to show you biblical statistics of why we need discipleship in our lives and why we need to also disciple others, and then I'm gonna give you the progression of discipleship from a start of like a baby Christian to the end goal of discipleship. Come on, say amen. Because ultimately the goal of discipleship, watch this, is Christ-likeness and a deeper walk with the Lord. The ultimate goal of discipleship is Christ-likeness, looking like Jesus, right? And and, and listen, and it's looking for us to, to act like, talk like Jesus. In that way, and spiritual growth. I have a saying that I used to say a long time ago. You can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. right? You, you, have to, you have to cast out a demon. Come on, say amen. But you have to crucify your flesh through the working of discipleship in your life. That is so good. You must crucify your flesh through the working of discipleship in your life. I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to intro it by saying this. Here's, here's, here's what I want to start off. Most churches in America, um, they spend most of their time focusing on the big gathering. They spend all their weeks uh, focusing on the Sunday morning service. I love Sunday morning. But you cannot, the individual cannot get all the needs that they need in their spiritual walk in a big, large group setting because you can't ask questions. You can't, you can't have uh, some personal ministry time. It is important to gather corporately. It's important to gather as a family. But let me tell you something. The, the real change happens when you're in your immediate family around the dinner table, and you have those conversations, right? When you're in a a large gathering, the work of discipleship is very hard. So most churches, they focus on activities, events, and sadly, many in the body of Christ have forgotten the absolute necessity of the work of discipleship. Pause for one second and ask yourself, where would I be without mentorship in my life? Where would I be without someone taking time to disciple me and showing me the way, come on, of the, of the scriptures by example. If I were to do something like Paul said, you would call me arrogant. But you know what Paul said? He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He had the audacity to say, you guys imitate Christ, but imitate me. I'm trying to show you the way. He's saying, I'm not perfect, but he was so confident that he's saying, if you imitate me as I imitate Christ, I'm going to help especially the new believers to grow. Here is the the thing I'm trying to say. We in the natural need certain types of foods, certain type of ingredients, certain type of nutrients for us to grow. If all we had was milk, we would grow to an extent. And we will stump our growth. But there's some place in our walk in life that we need a little bit of sustenance so that we can grow. Dis- the work of discipleship in our lives is so important, yet so many avoid it because it's intrusive. It's intrusive in the fact that it uh, it, it requires you. I'm going to re- re- read a read a, a definition soon of, of accountability. It, it it requires you to be vulnerable to one another, amen. And so. And I'm, I'm going to read what I, uh, this quote that I wrote, 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 wrote down. Because many believers have not experienced the value of discipleship, watch this, in their lives, they have shortcut a great part of the process of spiritual maturity in their lives. Man, that is so good. Because many believers have not experienced the value of discipleship in their lives, They have shortcut a great part of the process of spiritual maturity in their lives. This statement goes with the same statement I said a couple weeks ago about community, which is, I don't need anybody. I just have the Lord. Yes, you have the Lord. Yes, the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. But you also need to be able to be a part of a discipleship setting in your life if that's the case why would jesus say go make disciples it takes patience to make disciples because sheep are messy they're messy they they have attitudes they they want to serve god but you the discipleship draws maturity out of them It's like the evangelist catches the fish and then gives it to the shepherds, and we got to gut them, and we got to clean them, and we got to take all the nasty stuff out. Come on, say amen. So that it can be able to cook. You You just can't eat the fish unless you're crazy. Right when you catch it with organs and everything, you have to, watch this, have the, watch this, are you ready? Sometimes ugly process of cleaning the fish out. There's a lot of people that just want to save and catch the fish, but they don't want to clean the fish. That's why a true shepherd smells like the sheep. Jesus always smells was around the sheep. He wasn't too high and mighty to say, I am God. I'm not going to get down and dirty with you, Peter. I'm not going to get down and dirty with you, John. I'm not going to get down. to Who's the greatest? Come here, guys. It's not time. I'll call down fire, Lord. I'll call down fire. No, no, no. Peter, it's not time to call fire now. The work, listen, Jesus, the greatest man who ever walked on earth had 12 men that he poured into. And they shook the world upside down. Listen, not because they only believed, because they had God himself discipling them. Guys, you're missing what I'm saying. Jesus picked 12 men, not just to have parties and hang out. That's some of you guys. I'll I'll have 12 guys We'll play hoops. I love playing hoops. I'm not that good anymore. But let me tell you, Jesus picked 12 men for one purpose only. I'm going to pour my life into them. And they're going to pour their life into others. And they're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And that's why the church exploded. The church exploded because here's what I feel discipleship is. This is not in my notes. Discipleship is the the instrument, if you will, that closes the, the, the hole of the net. So the net catches it. But it's been broken throughout history. That's why people in many churches, they come in. And as fast as they go in, there's no discipleship process. And they leave. But discipleship closes and fixes and glues the net so the fish won't get out. Yeah. This is good preaching this morning. So, what is discipleship? I want you to look in the screen. What is discipleship? Look at the first the, look at the first slide. Discipleship is going to be on the screen. The first point is the process. Everybody say the process of building Christ-like character in our lives, and it's also the process of helping others. Develop Christ-like character in their lives. I'm going to say that again. Discipleship is the process of building Christ-like character in our lives, and it's also the process of helping others develop Christ-like character in their lives. Let me just say something. Say something very bold uh, to you guys. If you are only getting discipled or value discipled from a receiving standpoint, that is good. But eventually, discipleship is a two-way street. Eventually, God says, I need you now to make disciples. Now watch. I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not a pastor. Well, I'm not a leader. Well, I'm not uh, good in, in, um, in speaking. Jesus never said that that was a requirement to make disciples. He said, as a believer, we, watch this, extend the kingdom of God into maturity. And I I used to love this when I used to talk about maturity because it has to do with discipleship. Although God loves the immature believer, he cannot trust the immature believer with responsibility. Great responsibility is trusted for those who are mature. It says it in Hebrews. It says in Hebrews, it says, you you will learn, you will discern what is right and wrong because you know what's right and wrong. It's like the Lord told me years ago, He said, when your son, when my son was about seven years old, he may have had a desire to, to drive, but there's no way he was capable because even though, watch this, he had the desire to drive, he could not because he was still very small and the steering wheel was up to here. Could you imagine having a baby drive? You can't even hold his head up. He's like, you know, like you have to hold his your head up, you just because you listen, watch this, watch this, the church, are you ready for an outro moment the The church has been guilty throughout history of committing spiritual abortion to new converts because they come out of the womb, in a sense, not physical womb, the spiritual womb, out of the world, and they get saved, and we leave them there. It, imagine and then, then and then what we do as christians is we build up all of our statistical numbers to prove how strong we are as a church and we say hey we led 500 people to the lord today but those 500 people maybe four of them were were laid at the at the delivery room spiritually without any nourishment afterwards what would happen if, if 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 moms would deliver the baby and say, look, we have another baby in the world, another life, yay, and just stop caring for that baby. The church needs to have a heart to disciple other people. And if you're not there yet. Get intentional about seeking discipleship over your life. And don't think you're too smart or too biblical to have someone pouring into you. Or, or a, a, small, a part of a small intimate setting where there's that accountability. Say Amen. And so the goal of discipleship is a deeper walk with the Lord and Christ-likeness, right? And so, so now, I, I want to I say this because I kind of skipped it. The, the, the word disciple, it means to be a pupil. Say pupil. pupil. A learner of a teacher. I'm reading this from the, from the dictionary. One who follows a person's teachings completely and fully. This is a disciple, the definition of disciple, right? Now watch this. An imitator of the teacher, That is the definition of a disciple, an imitator of a teacher, all right? And so uh, the reason I say that is because there are some people that claim to be followers of Christ and they don't look like Jesus, watch it, they don't look like Jesus and they don't do what Jesus says. Watch the definition of a disciple. The definition of a disciple or a follower of Christ is that one that mimics the teacher, in the karate realm, I'm not going to do it because I, I may I may get like a a, a a bruise in my leg. But if the sensei, which is the teacher, kicks at up, <laughs> kicks up here, right? The disciple has to kick here to pass the test. He can't kick there. He has to imitate how the sensei or the teacher kicks. This the discipler is an imitator of the teacher. But yet we have people in the body of Christ who claim to be followers of Christ, and they don't look like Jesus, the resolve of discipleship, and they don't do what Jesus says, the command of discipleship. Now watch this. This is really good. This is really good. Look at Luke. Look at Luke chapter 6 verse 40. This is a, in the New Living Translation. Are you getting something this morning? Yeah. Look, look in the, in the New Living Translation, Luke chapter 6 verse 40. Oh, man, I don't think I've ever read this in the NLT like this. I'm like, is this in the Bible, how it reads? Look at how this reads in the NLT. Students are not greater than their teacher. We know that, right? But look at this next verse. But the student who is fully trained becomes like the teacher. <laughs> the student that is fully trained. Everybody say fully trained. Say fully trained. What do you think he's talking about there? Part of the way to get fully trained is through the intimate settings of discipleship. You know what the church wants? The church wants to be like um, that guy in 1 um, in Kings or 2 Kings, that the uh, Naaman or something that had leprosy. Remember that guy? He had leprosy. Uh, this is not on my notes. It's just coming to me. So this guy, he was a very affluential guy, and he had leprosy. And the Bible says that the prophet said, go and dip in the Jordan seven times. Now, the Jordan was a very dirty river. And I, listen, I don't care. If I had leprosy and a man of God said, go into the sewer and go in there. And I'm like, yes, sir. I'll get, I, I want this leprosy off. You know what he said? He said, I can't believe that this man of God told me to do something. But watch. Read, read 2 Kings or 1 Kings. I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 5, right? 15? I'm a little off there. But it was somewhere in there, right? But watch this. You know what that man Amos said? He said, he became furious. He said, I thought the man of God was going to wave his hand. That's what it says. Going to wave his hand and heal me. That is the picture of the church today. Yeah. What do you mean take responsibility for my life? Oh. What, what, what do you mean I got go to I gotta go to, uh, to open the word? I, what do you mean I got to study? What do you mean I got to submit? What do you mean I got to listen? I thought the pastor was just going to wave his hand and all my problems of debt and my patterns of spending is just going to be magically going away. There are certain things that laying on hands will not do for you. Come on, say amen. There's no way that I can lay hands on you and fix the way that you spend money. In the name of Jesus, all the disciplines that it takes right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, all of a sudden, I don't want... I don't, want to, I don't want to spend anymore. No. Discipleship helps you get to that place of maturity. And if you think you're too big, watch this. If you think you're too big for that, I'm going to tell you a scripture in just a second that's going to go. In just a second. When we think we're too big for discipleship and to help others, watch what Jesus said. But but let's look at a couple verses down. So Jesus said in verse 40, he said, if the student is trained long enough, he'll be like the teacher. Trained. Notice the word trained. Okay. Now look at verse, six verses, oh, this is a gangster scripture. Look Look at six verses down. Ready? Verse 46. Look at what Jesus says. All right. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? (laughs) Why do you call, I, I love you, Lord. I call you Lord. He goes, you think you're a disciple, but you're not because part of discipleship is doing what I say, like the teacher, like the teacher says. He says, why do you call me Lord, watch this, and don't do what I say? You know, one of the highest goals of discipleship, the fruit of discipleship, is John 15. You don't have to turn there unless you want to jot it down. John chapter 15, verse 8, you know that the Father is glorified by the fruit that we have. The Bible says, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Yeah. Much fruit does not only come sitting on Sunday mornings. And hearing a good word, it, you need to submit to the teachings of the Word of God and let it cut you every now and then. Come on, and, and, let, and, and let it let it disturb you. Let it mould you into the things of God. You cannot get the full th- uh, growth in your life just on Sunday morning. You need small settings, small pockets, small friendships of godly people so that they could sharpen you. The Bible says uh, a friend sharpens the countenance of another friend. Iron sharpens iron. But it's, the goal is this. The goal always of discipleship is a deeper walk with Jesus and Christ-likeness. Always, always, always. But let me tell you something. Through discipleship, we exercise our spiritual muscles to be strong. And I want to share with you at the end the progression of uh, of discipleship. And sadly, I call it the four M's. So many people in the body of Christ never enter the fullness of the progression of discipleship. You know, I, th- again, this is not in my notes, guys, but I just want to flow in the spirit here. One of the reasons that my youth ministry took off in, in the... Uh, when we started in 2001, 2002, it's because I not only had powerful services. Now, who doesn't want powerful services? Who doesn't want the demons? I mean, in our youth ministry, youth ministry, demons will come out. Like that's, that, we had a rare youth ministry. I mean, people were getting filled with the spirit. But guess what? That draws them there, but it doesn't keep them there. Oh, my God. I'm going to say something so powerful. The miracles drew the people to Jesus, but didn't keep them there. The miracles that they saw. As a matter of fact, John 6 is like, I know why you're here. Because you saw the miracles. I know why you're here. Because you, you saw me do great things like a magician. You, and you think, now nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some free food here. I'm going to give you some fish sandwiches for free. Yeah, that's coming. But that's not going to keep you. When the pressure hits and the persecution hits, all the miracles and signs and wonders are not going to ground you. It's the work of discipleship and teaching and submitting to the things of God. My youth ministry exploded because we had, uh, we had a balance of these two wings in the bird. We had powerful demonstration of the power of God, but we were very intentional I was very intentional about discipleship. I had people in my house on a weekly basis. I Basically didn't have a life back then. But I, I, I poured into them and poured into them. Why? Because it was a burden in me because I realized one day that they were going to do the same thing to others. Yeah. And you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And, and, and um, this is what I was going to share. Like The Holy Spirit spoke to me um, a couple days ago. And I was telling this to Lolita. And I, and, I, and I got out of the shower, and I was praying, and the Holy Spirit smacked me. Has, ever been, has the Holy Spirit ever smacked you with truth, right? I came out of the shower, and I began to get teary-eyed because I heard the Lord so clearly say this. Because you've invested years ago in discipleship and important in to others when they needed you. The Lord said to me this to me, in this season of your life, those same people that you poured into are now serving the ministry when you need them. Come on. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing sons and daughters in the ministry helping you in the ministry. But you know what that's a product of? It's not a product of my personality, it's a product of you know what? They realize, now I'm in a position because I've grown, and someone took time with me, and now I'm going to take time with others. I mean, Chris, he's not here today, but I used to disciple Chris Zayas. As a matter of fact, those who used to be in my youth ministry, stand up. St- stand up. I'm going to embarrass you for a second. Okay, at you, look. Come on, come on. Joanne, come on. Come on, look at you. Christina, uh, Kashana, <laughs> right? Sammy. Chris is not here today. Uh, El- Elvin. Now watch this. Watch this. Stay standing, guys. I'm going to embarrass you for a little longer, okay? Allow me this moment. Let me know this moment, okay? You know what? Many of these guys would come to my house, some of them, like Enrique and Joanne and Chris, and they would come to my house, and, and, and um, Elvin and Rachel, and I would pour into them over and over again. And, and now watch this. Chris and Elvin used to uh, babysit my kids, right? Now watch this. Are you ready for this, tearjerker? Now Chris is in a season where he's now helping disciple my son. And here I am 15 years ago, and I'm pouring into Chris, and I'm pouring into Elvin, and I'm shooting them scriptures, and now they're doing the same thing for my kids. And and you you guys can sit down. And I see Enrique, he's now teaching our Bible studies. Come on. Joanna's on the worship team. Come on. Rachel's on the worship team. Why am I saying this? Because the work of discipleship, there's fruit in there. Because one day, one day, not only will the work of the Lord continue, they will help you. Because one of the things that is missing in the body of Christ when it comes to discipleship, and this is a whole other sermon, is the reality of spiritual sons and daughters and spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. How we need spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers to raise up. Because Paul the Apostle says, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. Now, spiritual fathers are not there to tell you what to do, nor are they there for you to ask them permission about things. But spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers are are raised in your life and in my life for a purpose to help us along the way. (laughs) Barnabas... The son of encouragement, the Bible says, took him aside and helped him along the way. Took Paul. Those other scriptures, I think it was Aquila, the Bible says, Aquila, 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 that they, 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 they took him aside and they showed him, they showed him more of the scriptures that he didn't know. This is good stuff here. Come on, say Amen. And so we get supercharged, watch this, discipleship supercharges our walk with God. Watch this, listen, zoom in close here. here. Discipleship has the ability to make the fire in our hearts for Jesus last longer. It's no longer a flickering flame that starts and it flickers every six months and then there's nobody there. Why? Most of the time that the flame flickers in people's lives is because they have very little accountability and discipleship in their life. When I was a a young man, I'm not going to mention it, but some people know my story, but I'm not going to say. I was in a mega church that had 5,000 people, worldwide ministry, incredible ministry that I'm still grateful for today. But if I did not have a discipleship setting in my life, I could have backslidden for three months and nobody in the church would have known where I was. I'm just being honest. I could have backslid. I used to sit in the balcony. I could have backslidden for three months and nobody would have known, especially the pastors there, and I'm not blaming them, It's because I, watch this, had to be intentional about seeking out discipleship for my life. I'm going to give you a little secret. Discipleship most of the time won't come to you. You've got to desire it. You have got to desire discipleship. And if you're too um, big for that, then you're too haughty and you're too prideful. Some of the settings for effective discipleship are small groups. Classes, courses, one on one meetings, mentorship. That's why here in RCC, we have the discipleship that we are trying to do through our small groups. If you're a small group in this place, I want you to stand up real quick. If you're a small group leader, look at this. I want you to stand up. Come on, give them a big hand as they say, standing. Okay? Now watch, stay standing. There's some, are not, some are not here, all right? Niali back there, right? Niali back there has a couple of girls, right? I, I know that our youth ministry is going to be starting doing, doing something that really soon. We got married couples ministry right here, Pastor Lou. Watch this. We got men's ministry, that disciples men, Pastor Keith, right? We have those who disciple women, Rosie, come on. We have... The 55-year-old the and up, young ones, come on, right there. We got a bilingual <laughs> uh, connect group. We have a fellowship connect group right over there. Watch this, watch this. Somebody the other day, you guys can sit down. Somebody the other day said, said, Pastor George, you have a lot of departments in your church. And they almost said it like, man, that's a lot. But I paused and I thought about it I said, Absolutely we have it. I said, you know why? It's not because I just want to throw a whole bunch of leaders out in the church and say, just lead something. No, it's because they helped me with the work of discipleship. It is impossible that the senior pastor of a church this size could, could disciple everyone. Do you know that Jethro rebuked Moses because he was trying to do everything? Man, I'm preaching good this morning. I could just throw this. I'm going to throw my thing. Jethro said, hey, Moses, I know you're the man and I know you're anointed. I know God spoke to you in the mountain. I can't compare to that. But you are going to burn yourself out. And another translation says, and your staff out. And your people out. He says, here's what you do. And Moses, what are you talking about? I am the one that God has chosen to judge all of Israel. Could you imagine judging three million people? Uh, Moses, what am I to do? Uh, You're in the children's ministry. Next. Uh, What what about you? Uh, I think you're in the youth ministry. Next. What about you? uh, I I feel you're in administration. He, He couldn't do anything if he would do that. Jethro said, here's what you do. Here's where you learn delegation. He got it from the Bible, right, in Exodus. He said, why don't you pick people that fear God and love God, and they will deal, in other words, train or deal with, the small issues and the mediocre issues of Israel, and you will deal with the hard issues. And the Bible says, and it will be good for you. Every one of us in this room, if we want supernatural sustainability to stay strong in the ways of the Lord, we must submit ourselves to a discipleship reality. And here's here's the next shift. God challenges you to start discipling others. You know why I'm so passionate about discipling others? Because I know where I would be without other people discipling me. I can't tell you what I, where I would be. And I'm going to share some statistics in, in a couple seconds. Are you getting something this morning? Yes. Now look at the benefits, of, look at the benefits of, um, and key essentials of, of discipleship. Here's the first main thing I want to share. There's some key essentials of discipleship and, I'll, and they're going to be on the screen. I'm going to do it real quick because I want to get really to uh, the the middle of this, right? The first key essential of discipleship is, number one, look at the screen. It helps us discover who we are in Christ and helps us in the ways of God. Discipleship helps us. To be able to discover our identity through the word of God. Again, it's the word of God that reveals. It's the word of God that teaches. But we need an instrument to teach the word of God, especially for those who are young in the Lord. I mean, if, if you were to ask Joanne and Enrique privately, not now because they'll probably get embarrassed, where, what the value of the early years in their life of being poured into is, they, they will not. you cannot put a, a price tag to that. You cannot put a price tag because when you're young and you're new in the Lord, you don't know a lot of things. And so you need people to help you to disciple. That's why Jesus commanded, that is a great commission, is discipleship. That, you want to you you do the great commission? Don't just be an evangelist. Be an evangelist and one who disciples. That is the great commission. And I got news for you. Just like last week, it's not a specific calling for specific people. It's a command for everyone. Yeah. So through, through discipleship, the teaching helps believer discover who they are in Christ. Discipleship helps to restore people back to a deeper walk with the Lord, especially new believers. Now now watch this. The Bible trusts, sorry, the Lord trusts people who have been walking with the Lord for a little bit, and it's developed some maturity, now God says, it's no longer feed me, feed me, feed me. It's now give, while you're getting received, give, right? That's why he said it's better it's better to give than receive. In Galatians, it talks about the role of people um, that are starting to be mature, the role that they play in people's lives. The role of people, you know why you're getting mature? Not just so you can be ready for the Lord's return, you're getting mature because God wants to trust you with other people, Trust you with other, other, other uh, babes in the Lord that are still struggling. Yeah. Right. Look at Galatians. Look at this scripture, Galatians, Galatians chapter six, verse one through three, in the NLT. You're there. Say amen. amen. Dear brothers and sisters, if any, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, uh, hum, hum, humbly, humbly. Help that, wait, everybody say help. Help Help that person back onto the right path. Hello? And be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Here's here's the the gangster scripture that I was going to show you earlier. Share each other's burdens and this way obey the law of Christ. Are you ready for this? Those who think that you don't need discipleship and you don't need to disciple others. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself, you are not that important. God said that? The, wait, let me say that again. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> you know what that's saying is, stop looking at your life like you're the only thing that matters in the world. There's other people that are depending on your yes so that God can release the fullness of God through them, to your life and to their life. And, and watch this. Here's the beautiful part. You don't have to have a position in the church to disciple. You can meet someone in a coffee shop and talk to them. You can meet with somebody in a home over lunch or dinner. And listen, they may have questions that you may have some answers to. And you know what? They, you, they may have something that you need. Oh, church, this is so good. I've never, you don't hear sermons on discipleship. You know Why? Because that's why people come in and out, in and out, in and out. Because there's not a culture of discipleship in our lives. What if everyone sought the value of discipleship and then also sought to somehow disciple somebody, even if it's one person? We would have to go to two or three services here. Why? Because we'll have a lot of mature people, but we'll have a lot of babies that need a lot of attention. Ooh, boy. Now, watch this, watch this. Number two, discipleship involves meaningful fellowship with other believers. Now, this may seem like a youth sermon, what I'm about to say, but discipleship offers godly friendships in our life. Why? Because there's close quarters, there's small groups, there uh, there're uh, intimate settings. Watch this. I can't tell you how as adults you need, watch this, watch this, godly friends in your life. This is not a youth sermon. Adults, you need godly, godly friends in your life. Not perfect friends. Godly friends in your life. You get that through small settings sometimes. Through discipleship, through intimate settings. Why? Now all of a sudden, now if it's just three of you, you're sharpening each other out. Discipleship is not just small groups. Discipleship is relationships. Oh, man. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. Come on. It is, it is, this was so key for me. If I don't know where I would be if I'd have had godly friends in my life. But those godly friends were in the context of a small group discipleship setting that, that helped me. Now watch this. I'm going to tell you a statistic that blew me away. I'm going to read it so I won't, so I won't mess it up. I want you to, please let this speak to you, touch you, convict you, what I'm about to say. Okay. I'm going to read it so that you understand. A popular Christian statistical magazine followed 100 new converts, okay? There was a, several years ago, this magazine followed 100 new converts, and they followed them, and they, they wanted to see what makes them stick in church, what makes them stick with the Lord, and what makes them go away. How many of you have been in church and then walked away? Some of it is because of hurt, but I guarantee you some of it is because you had a lack of godly people around you. Now watch this. Of those who made two or less godly friends in the context of a discipleship setting out of those 100, right, watch this. I'm reading word for word. 35 of them dropped out from the local church and dropped out uh, of, of from the Lord for the first six months. So those who only had two or less godly friends in a local church setting and a discipleship setting, 35 of them after six months dropped out. You hear me? You follow me? Okay. All right. Of those that made three to six godly friends in a local church setting or a discipleship setting, only 15 of them dropped out in the first six months. So out of 115 dropped out. Still pretty good statistic. Now watch this. Of those that made seven or more godly friends in the context of discipleship setting or local church, zero of them dropped out of the church. Now, I'm not saying that there's a magic number that is seven. What I'm saying is it doesn't take much. You get five to six to seven intentional people that are godly in your life, and you seek them out as friends. It's going to help you stay along the path. Why? Because you can't trust yourself sometimes because yourself wants to do things that sometimes other people will say, no, I'm not going to, you're not going to do that. No, I'm going to stop going to church because the pastor don't love me. I'm going to stop going to church. No, you're not. We're going to have lunch together and you're going to get rid of that offense. And whatever that root is, we're going to take care of it together today. You know what the Bible says? Those who desire friends must first show themselves friendly. Don't, please, don't, don't, don't say, I don't have anybody because no one ever approaches me. Well, guess what? Shift gears. You've been in gear one, shift gear to gear two and start asking for people and start asking what their name is. Start engaging in conversation and you know what's going to happen. You're going to develop godly friends in your life that will help you. Number three, I got I to I hurry. Uh, sorry, uh, three? Yeah. Yeah, three. I'll be real quick. Number three, biblical discipleship offers healthy accountability in your life. Real quick, the definition of accountability is the reality of explaining your actions or decisions to someone else. I'm going to say that again. The reality of explaining your actions or decisions to someone else, not asking them permission. What you're doing is you're voluntarily giving Pieces of information of your life to someone else that you trust to help you along the way. We sang lean on me by mistake two weeks ago, right? <laughs> and let me, t- <laughs> let me tell you something. That was a mistake, but it's a reality. We need discipleship. So not only community brings that, discipleship brings that reality as well too. Say amen. All right. Uh, number four. Discipleship offers, watch this, this is key. Discipleship offers Personal ministry and encouragement. I want you to hear this very, very carefully. You cannot get personal ministry all the way in a Sunday morning setting. Because in a Sunday morning setting, if you don't understand something, you can't raise your hand and ask questions. I'll be like, not now, sister. Not now, my friend. After service, get with one of my leaders. But in a discipleship setting, you talk about Scripture, and you can say, I don't understand that. And some people will help you to understand that. Or you say, I have a severe family problem. I need prayer right now. Discipleship in a small setting, intimate setting, watches provides encouragement and personal ministry. That's why I encourage when I when I had the vision for Bible study, when I had the vision uh, for um, for discipleship, I always told my leaders, make sure you have personal ministry time. Yeah. It's very high for me that it's not just teaching; it is personal ministry time. Why? Because people need that. Guess what? You get a little bit on Sunday, you get a little bit in the discipleship, and before you know it, you're growing leaps and bounds in the things of God. Come on, say amen. All right? Now now you, you you at RCC we provide these things through our group, uh, our connect groups. The fifth thing is now watch this is awesome. Discipleship offers effective training for life and for eventual leadership in ministry. I'm going to say something that's really powerful. You look at everyone that's in key leadership positions in this church and in healthy churches. And I guarantee you, if you talk to them privately, they will say, I was a product of discipleship at one point in my life. At one point in my life, I was a product of discipleship. All right? And and look at this progression in the Bible. Moses mentored Joshua. Joshua. And Joshua became a conqueror like no other conqueror. He kept kept winning battles and battles and battles and battles. But what was the common denominator? It was Moses that was a mentor to Joshua. And then Elijah was the mentor to Elisha. And Elisha said, you know what? I'm not going to let you go into, I'm not going to let you go. Well, I got to go. No, I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. And then he, he inherited a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Because he, he, was, he did not want to leave. He wanted to learn why Elijah flowed the, same, the, the way he did. And Elijah was able to pour into Elisha. So much so that at the end of Elisha's life, through maturity and the anointing of God, they threw a dead person on his bones. And they, and the dead person raised up. Just as the man who was thrown on the bones of Barnabas mentored in, in a degree Paul. Yeah. Barnabas, to a degree, was able to, to disciple and show Paul the ways of the Lord. And all Paul did was, I mean, not much. Just write two-thirds of the New Testament under the under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, not that much. You know. yeah. Paul, even though he knew the scriptures because he was a Pharisee. the Bible says He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He still was thwarted in his theology, so he had to be discipled to learn the right way. And then it didn't stop there. Paul was a product of discipleship, so guess who he discipled? A spiritual son named Timothy. He turned out pretty good. And he was the chief guy who he trusted in all of Paul's missionary works. He said, I, I, he actually says in Galatians, he goes, there's no other person like Timothy. There's no other one like him. He goes, I trust him with everything. Go ahead and, and make sure that you're under his leadership because I vouch for him. Why? Because Paul was trained. Paul was a disciple. Then he went around and discipled Timothy. And Timothy became an incredible overseer of a local church. Yeah. Right? And of course, I said this before, but our great example, our great Lord, who did not have to do it, by the way, he could have said, I'm Lord, you follow me. I'm not going to spend time with you. I'll be at a distance. You guys over there, just worship me the whole time. He says, I'm going to break bread with you. Yeah. I'm going to teach you. Yeah. I'm going to teach you how to walk. I'm going to teach you what the Father looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It was discipleship for two and a half, whatever so years. Some people, some theologians have, have the numbers two to three, whatever years. He poured his life into 12 rough, rugged men. Yeah. That start, watch this. Here's a product of discipleship. Started off cursing as a sailor. Yeah. Yeah. Started off uh, 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 denying him three times and ended up saying, I'm willing to hang upside down for the cause of Christ. See, we, we, I love what Enrique spoke on a couple months ago. We focus on his denial, but we don't focus on the work the, of maturity that God did throughout the years through Peter. Come on. Yeah. Say amen. Amen. And, and, and this is why is so important. It's so important for discipleship, and, and, and I love this. And give me, give me like ten more minutes here, and I'm done. Discipleship. Look at number six. Helps identify. Are you guys getting something? Okay. It helps identify and draw out. Are you ready? The gifts of God in us and in other people. Woo! Come on, everybody, say woo! discipleship identifies everybody say draws out say draws out look at what I saw the other day when I was reading the scriptures Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 look at verse in the NLT Proverbs 20 verse 5 look at this guys are you ready for this it's I I feel this from the Lord some of you some of you look at me look at me don't read this yet I I feel a, a pause in a second Some of you have become so spiritually fat because you have receiving and receiving and receiving, and you're not giving. Some of you have wealth of knowledge of scriptures that you are not doing anything about. But God wants to use you in the form of discipleship, watch this, to draw out things of people that will cause them to walk in their destiny. Look at at Proverbs, ready? Watch this. Though good advice lies deep within the heart, watch this, a person with understanding will draw it out. Good advice lies deep in them. Good things lies, lies deep in the heart of people. But somewhat of maturity and understanding is used to help draw that out of them. Do you know that it was people that discipled me that first made me realize that I have a calling and that God, because they affirmed me. It was, it was people that looked at me and said, I want you to be my youth pastor. When I was just like two years old, and I was so flattered, like, really, me? You want me to be your youth pastor? And I wasn't even ready. But there's people that started taking me under their wing. And you know what? You have to smooth the rough edges out. You have to smooth those rough edges out. And it, it, you draw the gift out of people, okay? Now, now why? Now, th- that's number one. This, this is, I, I give you the essentials of discipleship. discipleship. But statistically, I'm going to show you something. Statistically, biblically, one out of four people that hear the word stick with the Lord. So do the math. What's one out of four percentage-wise? Anybody can tell me? 25%. So watch this. According to biblical statistics, I'm going to tell you right now. of all of the people that hear the word actually stick with the Lord. That's why it's so important, the work of discipleship in our communities and in our lives. Because it helps us to get to that place again. Look at Mark chapter 4. Oh, this is good stuff. I think I'm preaching myself happy here. I don't know if you're getting convicted or happy because you're looking at me like, okay... Mark chapter 4, verse 13, I get I have a lot of scriptures, but I'm I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Mark chapter 4, verse 13, look at what it says here. Now, I want you to see the first real example of biblical statistics here, all right? This is sad. I want you to see how in each part of this parable, you're going to hear the same thing. They all heard the word. So it's it's not, God is not unfair to say, well, you know, you didn't hear the word, so you're not going to bear fruit. Everyone heard the word, yet watch this, everyone that heard the word didn't produce fruit. Ooh, wait. What does that say? That means you're hearing the word right now, and some of you are going to be falling into these categories. You're hearing the word. You know what I, I am right now? I'm the seed thrower. I'm sowing seeds of the word of God, but there's four different grounds in this church right now. There's four different types of people that are sitting in the pews today that have spiritual grounds, and only one of them, one of you, will land on good ground. But can I be honest with you? That's not up to God. It's up to you what ground you are. It's up to you if you are good ground or you're the wayside ground or you're the thorny ground or you're the stony ground. Look at what Jesus said. Okay, all right. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. That's PG right now. And these are the ones by the wayside. Everybody say wayside. Wayside. Where the word is sown. When they hear. Everybody say hear. Okay, so the wayside person heard, all right. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Look at this. Second type of person. These, likewise, are the ones sown among stony ground. Say stony ground. Yeah, stony ground, not stony people, okay. Stony ground who when they, when they hear the word of God. Everybody say hear the word of God. See that? Immediately they receive it with gladness. Oh, that's some of us in here. Amen, pastor. That's right. Preach it. That's good. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, right. They receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. In other words, they, the, the word doesn't go deep in them because they got rocks in their soil. They got issues that does not allow the roots to go deep. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Watch this. And they endure for what? For what? A time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution uh, arises for the word's sake, immediately they what? That's stony ground, people. Look at number three. Now these are the ones who sown among thorns. They are the ones who what? Say, say what? Hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. That's three people that have heard the word, O oh for three. O oh for three. They heard the word. One of them landed on wayside ground. What's wayside ground? They hear the word and immediately after church they have an argument, they forget the whole sermon. Wow. What did pastor talk about? I don't know. What? I don't even know what he talked about. But you, you were just there five minutes ago. Those are wayside people. And unfortunately we got some wayside people in the church this morning. You hear the word, but immediately it's going to come out. Then you have the second type of people, right? The second type of people are the the stony ground people, where they actually receive it with joy for for a little bit. But then they have no root. They have no, what is root? Discipleship. They have no foundation. So when tribulation comes, it's like, I am out of here. Then that, th- those are some people here. Then there's a the third type of people. The third ground is the thorns in the ground people, which now these people go a little bit further. they like, hey, I love the word. I hear the word. But, but, but about six months, maybe seven months, eight months, a year down the road, worldly things start attracting them again. The Bible says, and worldly things choke the what? Word. Satan is always after the word sown in your heart. Always. Satan is always about, okay, that word is in your heart. How can I take that word out? If I can't get them back to to to, uh, to the, the stones in their in their heart, maybe I could just pursue them with worldly pleasures. That's right. So our young people, unfortunately, we see a lot of them, they start off real good, but then worldliness saps the, the life of God right out of them. Yeah. The clubs, the drugs, the sex. Right. I can say that at church. Now watch this, 0 oh, for 3 so far, 0 oh, for 3. Look at the last ground. But these are the ones sown on good ground. What, what makes you a good ground person? Those who hear the word, oh, watch this, accept it. <laughs> no matter how hard it is, that means, what do you mean I, I got to forgive my, that person that hurt me? Accept it. What do you mean I can't live in bitterness? Accept it. What do you mean I have to live holy? Accept that part of the word. The Bible says when you accept it, watch this, you, you surrender, even though you're kicking and screaming the whole time, you're surrendering to it. Watch this. Those bear fruit, some 30, 60, and some 100. I need the, I need the worship team to come up here, please. Look at this. One out of four people that heard the word stuck with the Lord. That is 25% of all the people who watch us heard the word of God, not the word of a newspaper, not the word of CNN or Fox News, the word of God. And only 25, why, why? Because there were things, now listen to me, this is where I'm going to wrap it all up, in their soil of their heart that teaching and discipleship had to be a part of in order to remain and stick It's the teaching and it's discipleship. Every one of you, you need to be sure that you are, well, I'm going to get in trouble when I say this. We got people in the body of Christ that are in positions of authority and they're not a part of any local community. They're out in, 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 in a lone ranger land. And they have no, and but yet their voices, their voices, some of them are prophetic voices, but they're not involved in any type of accountability in their life. Do you know that I have people that I'm accountable to? Do you know I can't just do what I want as a senior pastor? Do you know that I safeguard myself? I have a board and I have an eldership team that tells me, hey, I don't think this is the right way to go. And when I, and when I, and when I wanted to start um, um Open up the church because of the pandemic. Everyone was blaming me. Why why didn't do it? Why shouldn't do it? But we had a board decision and an elders decision. I said, if you guys are okay at this date, let me know. And unanimously, they all said May thirty first. We believe that we could be there. The work of discipleship needs to worship team. If you could start playing in the background here, I'm going to close with this. All right, I'm going to close with this. The progression of spiritual maturity through discipleship is what I call the four M's. Everybody say the four M's. Come on, say the four M's. Everybody say the four M's one more time. How many want to mature in the things of God? How many want to be trusted with a great responsibility? You must have this dual-edged sword of being discipled and discipling. The progression of discipleship starts like this. The first M is what I call the members. Look it up, it's gonna be on the screen. So what are the what are members? Sorry, sorry, not, not members. Multitude. I just gave you the second one. It's okay. Just pretend like you didn't hear that one. Just like be like, wow, when the second one comes, okay? So the first one is multitudes. Now, Jesus had the multitudes. Now, now what are multitudes today? They're people that um, are just hanging out. They never are committed. They come out. They come probably once a year, twice a year, right? They're considered members. That's the, the elementary part of discipleship. Unfortunately, in a lot of churches today, we got a lot of members, but we don't got a lot of kingdom people. We just got members. They show up every now and then. They don't get involved that much, but they're members of a church, right? That's the first entry level of discipleship. The second level is members. Now, what are members? Members sometimes, hey, they tithe every now and then. Members, right? Second M. They tithe. They'll come on Easter and on Christmas. But they tithe. But you don't see them getting involved a lot. They just kind of, again, you know, I'm going to have to say this. Some of you, you may be like convicted right now. That's good. Someone told me in, in a, the lunch the other day when we went to the, the couple's fellowship, they said, PG, you apologize too much when you're cutting people with, with the word. I go, I know. I just, I, did, I said, I don't mean to. I just, uh, I just don't want them to think I'm, I'm coming down on you. But I want to say this. If you're being convicted, good. Not because I don't care. It's because I do care. Do you know that the Bible says those who he loves, he chastises? The sign that God loves you is every now and then he gives you a bow pao because he loves you. I used to say, I used to say, like, Spanish people, you know this. Like, uh, uh, hijo, this is going to hurt me more than you. No, know, it's not. It's going to hurt me more than you. But here's what I found out is that the pao bows is because they really love you. I had what oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago in my youth ministry, I, I heard someone say, crossing their arms, I, said, I, w- I wish my mom would do that. I wish my mom would correct me. I wish I had a curfew. And I'm thinking, most teenagers be like, oh, i love to live your life. I have no curfew, my mom. Why? Because deep down inside, that young lady wanted someone to care for her. Hey, I'm going I'm to I'm stay out till three in the morning, mom. Whatever. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get run over by a train. Yeah, honey. And you're trying to get this attention. So the members, the members are here today. You come whenever you want, no accountability in your life, but you tithe. And so you, you you, know what you do? You check off the check mark. I tithed, God is good with me. That's the second progression of discipleship. The third, the third and fourth one are the ones that I want in RCC. The third one, look and put it up, multipliers. That's the third. So there's a multitudes, I'm about to say multitudes. Say members. Say multipliers. The multipliers are the ones that take what they're taught and they run with it. And they help the, gro- the church grow. We have a lot of multipliers that God is raising. But see, This is the, the process of discipleship. You start as a multitude. Do you know that the multitudes cried Jesus, but they're the same one that said crucify him? Don't do that to your pastor now. We love RCC. The moment you don't get your way, I hate this church. I don't like what he is doing, and I don't like what. It, that, you know what that is? You're a multitude. But multitude crucify Jesus. Don't stay satisfied with multitude discipleship. Then there's members. Then there's multipliers. Are you ready for the fourth one? This is the work of discipleship. Mentorship. Woo. The fourth M. The fourth M is becoming spiritual fathers and mothers to a generation and saying, I will start mentoring, even if it's a worship team. You don't have to have a small group. You could, you could be in a mentorship thing right in the team of your worship team. Or you could be in your evangelism team. There could be mentorship there. Guess what? The people in the back are awesome jo- Joanne Banton. She's mentored some of these people in the back to help train them and whip them into shape. But guess what, they're here on time and they're, and, and they're making sure, she's making sure that we have people there. Why? Why? Somebody told me years ago when I first started the church, they said, Pastor George, I, I, don't, I think it's too extreme for you to require your leaders to be here on Sunday morning. I said, excuse me? I said, yeah, it's a little extreme for you to require, I mean, you know, like we're volunteers, you know. We, we, I said, then how will I know who I have to run the church? If It's just up to anybody. So I, you know what? I feel like coming today. Well, No, next week I won't come. I, won't, I don't know if I'll have a worship person, a usher, a drummer, a, 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 a sound tech, if I just left it up to everybody to have their right No. We put standards on people's lives that say, too much is given, much is required. That's the work of discipleship, that you take ownership of your life. washes, And you take ownership of your church. That's what it's all about. God is calling you to the Great Commission again. He's calling you to be discipled or be a part of a discipleship setting, right? Not so that you could just be wowed, so that you could be part of community. But part two is what many of you are not doing, is he wants you to start looking at opportunities to disciple others on the way of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? So let's stand up right now before we we go. Come on. I want to ask the worship team to just sing however you feel led. And I feel like this is a, a message that doesn't require an altar call. It doesn't require an altar call. But it does require a heart check. Listen to me. I, I, I feel this so strong, so please before we sing. Yeah, I know. Look, my, my, my legs are off. All... It's alright. That's that water that's alright. I'll hide behind the pulpit here. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Shh look at me, this is important, I'm going I'm to wrap it up in 30 seconds I feel from my, in my spirit, I feel from the Lord, so please hear me, this is from the Lord I feel that some of you, God has been knocking on the door for you to disciple and pour into others but you don't believe in yourself there's some of you that know what I'm talking about because I've actually come to you and, and you don't believe in yourself every time I say, hey God has something for you you look at me like time to shift gears and start thinking that you're a leader. Start thinking that God has something to put inside of you. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to close with this. If you've been under a department or ministry in in, in this church or in other churches, and you've been there for four years, and you haven't discipled anybody, it's time to start doing it. Grab somebody that you're in relationship with. Now, you don't have to start a connect group rebellion, (laughs) you know, No, just start meeting with people. Start talking with people. Start activating the work of discipleship, not just converts. Can I hear an amen? How many feel that this is something the Lord is requiring us to do? Come on. How many God is speaking to you? So I'm gonna announce boldly, stop being a lone ranger. I'm talking to some of you, I'm talking to some of you. I love you enough, some of you I know, and I know very well, and you are lone rangers. The Lord wants to end the Lone Ranger mentality. He wants you to be a part of community. But then some of you, you have something to offer our congregation. Get with somebody and have organic times of talk and dialogue so you could watch us Make disciples. Say this with me. My call is to make disciples. I'm going to say that boldly. My call is to make disciples of all nations he did not say this to people that have a discipleship gift he said that all authority think about this you know in a movie the last thing that someone says before they die is real important in the movie the last thing that jesus said before they saw him resurrect all authority is given to me go make disciples of every person last but not least the greatest work of discipleship is in your family and in your home the greatest work that you you say well Pastor George I don't don't know anybody start with with pouring into your children start with pouring into your spouse start at home and then you can be trusted with other people lift your hands up come on lift your hands up let's just worship the Lord before we dismiss and let this word sink deep in you
1: Know me this I see.
0: Thank you, Jesus.
1: Just a twell, dwell. dwell.
0: close by this i feel the lord just saying this before i dismiss if you've been and i'm not going to call you up but i just want you to hear me i almost hear the 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 voice of the lord saying to some of you what are you waiting for like i heard that phrase i heard that phrase what are you waiting for i feel like some of you are waiting for this something to happen but deep down inside is because you really don't believe in yourself you really don't believe that you can disciple But I'm here to tell you, God is telling you, don't, He's, He's, you're not waiting on God. He's actually waiting on you. The Lord, I hear the Lord saying, What, to some of you, what are you waiting for? I've called you. You've been under leadership, you've been under discipleship. The Lord says, I desire to expand my kingdom, watch this, through you. Take an opportunity to allow the Great Commission to be a part of your life, not something that you just read about. I hear the Lord saying, this is more than what you just read about. I wanna include you in the Great Commission. And some of you, you just don't believe in yourself or you don't believe you're ready. But I'm telling you, A, find a small group setting. I wanna challenge you. Find some small group setting that you could be a part of. It doesn't have to be always you being the pupil It could be just a small group setting of godly friendships where you're sharpening each other. And then number two, find someone to pour into. Come on, somebody. Find someone. Amen? Let's hold hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you feel comfortable holding hands, that's fine. If you don't, you don't have to. But Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that you would speak to everyone of our spiritual community. And I ask, Lord God, that we will not get fatter spiritually with just being fed and not going out to discipling others i'm asking that the work of discipleship will be strong at rcc i i pray lord jesus that we will not be satisfied with just being christians but we will be disciples of christ so i'm asking release this reality i hear the lord saying people are waiting for you i hear the lord saying people are waiting for your yes People are waiting for your confirmation that I will, that I will pour in. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what God is saying. God bless, guys. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. I want you to take. I want you to take the the work of discipleship seriously. Listen, before you go, make sure if you're in the guest service team, see Steve in the back, right? I want you to greet about five people before you leave.
1: God bless you. We'll see you next week.